welcome to the podcast for St. Andrew's Community United Methodist Church, a loving, caring, overcoming community of faith where our mission is making disciples of Jesus Christ. So perhaps you're familiar with the name Oliver Wendell Holmes. What you may not know is Oliver Wendell Holmes Sr. was actually a physician. One of the things that interested him was how the properties of ether work whenever he was getting ready to do surgery. So in order to understand what his patients experienced, he decided to have ether administered on him. He laid down, he got comfortable. They began to administer the ether, and as he started to kind of drift into unconsciousness, he said that suddenly his mind was opened and he now understood the secrets of the universe. However, when he was awakened, he could not remember what they were. So it was, he decided to have it done again. Only this time, he hired a stenographer to come in so that they could write down whatever he said before he went off into la-la land. He got comfortable. They began to administer the ether, and just as he had hoped, suddenly his mind was open again. He mumbled out the words that came to his mind, and then he drifted into a peaceful sleep, confident that he had explained the mysteries of the universe. And so it was, whenever he woke up, he called the stenographer in and he said, okay, tell me what it was that I said so that we can now know the secret. And the stenographer said, here's what you said that I wrote down. The entire universe is permeated with a strong odor of turpentine. That's kind of how dreams work, isn't it? Dreams are an interesting thing. We all have dreams. In fact, if you ever want to do some research on common dreams, you will find that perhaps some of the dreams that you have had through the course of your life are dreams that people still have. I won't ask for a show of hands, but I suspect there are people present today who could say, yes, I've had that dream where I went to school in my underwear. Or maybe you had the dream, I've had this dream, where one of my teeth broke off and suddenly all my teeth began to break off. But my dentist is here and can attest that only a few of my teeth have broken off. Maybe you've had a dream where you were up on a tall building or you were up on a cliff, perhaps overlooking something like the Grand Canyon, and suddenly you're falling. That dream can be terrifying. In fact, we don't even call that one a dream. We call that a nightmare. The kind of dream that we have that when we wake up, perhaps we are breathless. Perhaps we have broken out into a cold sweat. And then we have those dreams that are so real that when we wake up, we have to stop and we have to focus and figure out that it really was just a dream. Maybe it was a dream that you have that 
you never really withdrew from that class in college that you never attended and now it's the end of the semester and you're going to get an F. <laughs> Maybe it's that dream where you didn't turn in an assignment, you didn't write a paper or take a test and, and you're going to fail. And, and I, I obviously have had that dream before and when I wake up I stop and I think, no, they gave you a piece of paper that actually said that you did graduate. Dreams are interesting things. And we should not be surprised as people of faith to know that God communicates with people through dreams. Not every dream is a matter of God speaking, but there are unmistakable dreams where God has spoken to people. One of the first ones that we can read in the Old Testament is about the patriarch Jacob. You remember his dream? There was a a ladder going up to heaven, and we used to sing an old hymn about it. You remember, right? We're climbing Jacob's ladder. Angels ascending and descending. Actually, I guess it would be ascending and descending up and down the ladder. And some people in a more modern translation would not say it is a ladder. They would say that it is a stairway to heaven. One of the amazing things about Jacob having that dream is when his son Joseph had dreams, he didn't believe his son. The patriarch Joseph had the dream that his mother and father and his brothers would all come and bow down before him. And it didn't say, oh, well, son of a dreamer is now having dreams himself. No, it was offensive that he did that. Or think of the other Joseph, the earthly father of Jesus. He was certain Mary was lying. And so he decided he would put her away quietly until an angel of the Lord, a messenger from heaven, appeared to him in a dream. Pilate's wife had a dream the day before Jesus was crucified, and she warned her husband, have nothing to do with this man. Peter had a dream that I mentioned last week where God told him all these customary dietary laws of what it means to be Jewish and you eat only what is clean and not as unclean, but now God is saying that all things are clean. The Apostle Paul had a dream where a man from Macedonia was saying, come over here, help us preach the gospel to us. You see, in the Near East, especially during biblical times, when people had dreams, they believed a supernatural power was trying to communicate with them. It was common for a king to sleep in the temple in hopes that God would give a revelation. And of course, there were also those experiences where people had nightmares, and they believed that that was from an evil spirit or perhaps a sorcerer had put a curse upon them. The day the church was born, Pentecost Sunday that we read about in Acts 2, the Apostle Peter was trying to explain what happened because people were confused by this new outpouring of the Holy Spirit on all those who believed. And when he was explaining it to them, he quoted the prophet Joel, a prophet that they should have been familiar with. We're not going to read what Peter said. Let's read what Joel prophesied. Then, 
After doing all those things, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. And your young men will see visions. In those days, I will pour out my spirit even on servants, men and women alike. And I will cause wonders in the heavens and on the earth. Blood and fire and columns of smoke. The sun will become dark. The moon will turn blood red before the great and terrible day of the Lord arrives. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. For some on Mount Zion in Jerusalem will escape, just as the Lord has said, these will be among the survivors whom the Lord has called. Brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord. So when this word of the Lord was spoken through the prophet Joel, the people of God were in a hard place. Like all the prophets did, Joel was trying to get them to a place of spiritual renewal. He was telling them that you've got to put your idolatry away. You've got to get rid of the sin. Repent of your sin and come back to God and experience the grace of our God. That's good news. But they also had another problem. It was not just their spiritual dilemma. The problem they also had was a swarm of locusts that was described as an invading army had come into the land and devoured their crops. Not just the food that they would eat, but also the commerce that was generated in an agricultural society. They're in a hard place. Spiritually, they're broken. Economically, they're broken. Things are hard, and the word of the Lord comes to the prophet to offer them hope and to offer them a future. That sounds just like our God, that whenever we're in the place where perhaps things are confusing, perhaps, perhaps things have us wondering what is next, that God speaks to us. And Joel said, your old men will dream dreams. Spoiler alert. I am an old man. Oh, I know some of you don't think so, but I thought you were old when you were my age. Earlier this year, I had a dream. It was one of those dreams that when I woke up, I thought, God, are you speaking to me? I have shared this dream with our church staff. I have shared this dream with our administrative council. I've actually even shared this dream in a few other groups, but I have not shared it with our whole church. And that's what I'm going to do today. And what I am asking of you is to discern. Laura prayed the prayer that I have been praying, and that is, Lord, give us ears to hear what the Spirit is saying to the church today. So I offer this humbly and ask that you would discern 
if this is God speaking to us. Because we are in a place where we have not been invaded by locusts, but we continue to try to recover from a pandemic. We're in a place of great transition in our church. I wrote this down because when it happened, I didn't want to forget it. So I'm going to read it. Early Sunday morning, January 2nd, 2022, I had a dream that I'm trying to make sense of. Primarily, is this a dream where God is speaking to me? God has spoken to me in dreams before, though it has been years since it has happened. And even then, the dreams did not materialize with the specific details one might expect. Nevertheless, there was no doubt the dreams were from God because they came true in real life. With this in mind, I record this dream. I was preaching to a full crowd at St. Andrew's Community United Methodist Church, and in the middle of the service, I noticed a young couple. A woman had a microphone like a reporter, and a man was holding a news camera like a videographer. Now, just in case you're wondering, I envisioned them right over here. <laughs> it caught me off guard to see news reporters filming me as I was preaching, and as I do on occasion, I made a comment in the moment. I thought, what are you doing? But then I replied, oh, you're here because I was on the news last night. Now, in real life, I had not been on the news, but in my dream, I obviously had been on television news speaking to the realities of the formation of the Global Methodist Church and my role in helping make it happen. The reporting duo nodded to confirm that this explained their presence and their recording of the sermon. So I continued with the sermon, and a few people got out of their seats and began to leave because they did not agree with my position. At that point, I addressed the congregation with the news that because of my involvement with the Wesleyan Covenant Association and the forthcoming Global Methodist Church, that I had been called a terrorist, Nazi, and member of the KKK. I had been cussed out, and I had been told to do things that are anatomically impossible. And that we had a few members that had left the church because of my involvement in these things. I then gave the benediction, and soon the worship center was empty. First people left, and then things were moved out of the space. All the chairs were removed, the altar and everything on it was removed. The platform was cleared of all the music equipment, and even this platform that I am on, which we call the thrust, it too was taken out of the worship center. When all things were removed, 
you could see that they had been there for a while because there were impressions in the carpet and the carpet was dusty and dirty showing that those things had been present for quite a while and then were moved out so we could do a deep cleaning. That was the end of the dream and I woke up. In reality, I have been called a terrorist, a Nazi, and a member of the KKK. And most recently, you could add to that list that I've been called a hater, a bigot, and a person who is filled with deceit. I have been cussed out, telling me to do things that are anatomically impossible. Sometimes we're left wondering if dreams are real. And whenever that happens, we have to try to figure out, was this dream real? Is God trying to communicate with me or not? And whenever we think God is speaking to us through a dream, there may be multiple ways, but I want to mention two ways that we can understand whether or not God is truly speaking. The first should be quite obvious, and that is, did the dream come true? When Joseph had a dream that his brothers and his parents would bow down before him, we later read that that came true. And I have to wonder, although it's not clearly recorded the way I'd want, if they all said, oh man, can you believe this? This is what our brother dreamed back in the day. When Joseph had a dream where an angel of God said, Mary is telling you the truth. The child in her is of the Son of God. It is not of human origin. It came true. So one of the ways we could judge whether or not the dream I had was actually a dream from God is if it comes true. The second way that we can tell when God is communicating to us through a dream is whenever that dream is confirmed through others. I think anytime God calls us to something, God confirms us to others. We read in the book of Acts how the people would say, it seemed good to us and to the Holy Spirit. God confirms these things. If somebody says, I believe God is calling me to be a preacher, we don't say, excellent, and give them a license or ordain them and say, let's find you a church to pastor. We don't do that. We confirm whether or not God has called this person and whether or not that person has been faithful in pursuing the call the way it has been confirmed. And so when I had this dream, after I wrote it down, I actually sent this to two very close friends, friends that are men who drink deeply from the wells of the Holy Spirit. And I said, I need your help. Can you tell me if this dream is God speaking to me or not? I sent it to my friend Leslie Broadbent, who is a pastor at Polk Street United Methodist Church in Amarillo. I sent it to my friend Matt Judkins, who has recently started Renewal Church in McAllister. 
And both of them replied emphatically that, yes, God is absolutely speaking to you through this dream, and they offered interpretations that I'm still trying to make sense of myself. But I'm asking you this morning to discern if God is really speaking, that you would discern in your own heart, that you would discern in your own spirit if God is speaking. And so the skeptic might say, well, DA, of course your friends were going to say you were hearing from God because they believe the things that you do, that God speaks in dreams, and they wanted to affirm and, and let you know that you're loved and, and this is happening. So while your friends may have said this, we're not convinced. I get that. I stipulate that that would not satisfy everybody. So I want to suggest that there was also a second dream. I did not have this dream, but it happened the same night, the same time, is a dream that I have shared with you. And the dream came from one of the longtime faithful members of our church. Perhaps a lot of you know Fred Thomas. Fred and Patty are as faithful as the sunrise when it comes to worship. January 2nd, when I had the dream, we only had two services that day, being New Year's Day weekend, 9 o'clock and, and 10.30, and I didn't have time to process a dream because we had church. Now, I wasn't preaching that day. Stephanie was preaching, but I had to come and get things ready for communion and other things that we had to do and worship that day. And so it was that after the 9 o'clock service, Fred came up to me. It's not unusual. Fred frequently comes and offers a greeting after worship. And he said to me, I had a dream about you last night. Now, can you imagine how that felt in the moment? That here I had this dream wondering if God's speaking to me, and now somebody else is saying, uh, hey, I had a dream about you last night. I will be honest. It caught me off guard. I didn't have my game. I went to my default response in the midst of such things. I cracked a joke. When Fred said, I had a dream about you last night, in my stunned reaction, I said, Fred, I'm glad to know I'm the man of your dreams. And he told me some stuff about it, but I was in such shock, I was afraid I didn't hear it all. So when I came in the next morning, I called Fred, and I told him, I said, Fred, I, I did not respond well. You caught me completely off guard. I'm sorry that I did not respond differently. But I need you to tell me with precise detail what your dream was, as best you can remember. I need you to tell me everything about your dream. And I'm going to be over here, and I'm going to be writing it down. I just want you to know this. And I want you to know that last Sunday, I told Fred I would be talking about this today, just in case you're curious of conversations we have ever come up. Fred knows that I'm sharing this today. Here's what Fred recalled. He said, I went to a church, not necessarily St. Andrew's, but a church. 
and I was there. Inside, some work was being done. He did not know if it was an addition, but he remembered seeing unfinished cabinets with men working on them, and he remembered the church also had a wooden floor. Whatever was being built was being finished on the inside. We were both satisfied with the work being done, even though neither one of us is a carpenter. Fred explained that whatever it was, quote, it was a good thing. It was a positive thing, end quote. And that he was, quote, curious to know what was going on and what it would be, end of quote. And that was the end of the dream. Beloved, for the last several months, we have been talking about the future of our church. In fact, we are creating the future of our church. Could it be that God is speaking to us through dreams? Because I can attest not only am I an old man, so is Fred. There are some things that people are concerned about, about our church and how it will change. Friends, I can tell you that our mission as a church is not going to change. We are still going to be a church that claims as a mission that Jesus Christ is calling us to make disciples of people who follow after him. And our way of trying to accomplish this mission is not going to change. Our method of making disciples will be to help people know who Jesus is. Not merely things about Jesus, but to know who Jesus is and then to grow in a relationship with Jesus so that we go into all the world in faithfulness to the commission that Christ has given us to make disciples of all people. We will continue to understand that we are ministers called by God, gifted by the Holy Spirit, ordained through our baptism, and we will offer our gifts in service to Christ. We will continue to have a vision that we are a loving, caring, overcoming community of faith centered in this relationship with Jesus Christ. We will continue to tell people we serve but one Lord, and we serve him unapologetically because he is the Lord the giver of life to all who would call upon his name. We will offer hospitality to any who enter our doors. We will not turn people away. We will do the best to receive people the way that Christ our Lord receives us. Because the whole world needs to be permeated with a strong sense of Jesus saving grace. Yeah, I'm in the right place this morning. And that's why as we come to this table, I've said this before, but it seems to have a little extra special meaning today. This is not a Methodist table. This is not an independent table. This is the table of our Lord. And Christ 
welcomes all of us to come. The invitation we give is this. If you truly and earnestly turn from your sin, if you intend to lead a life living according to the will of God, then we draw near to this table so we might experience God's grace. You don't have to be a member to come to this table. You don't have to be baptized to come to this table. Christ our Lord invites all people.